a happy Mother's Day to you guys, to all you moms out there, and also, and whatever it looks like today for you guys, if you're celebrating in quarantine, whatever it looks like for your family, know that we're with you guys as you're celebrating and remembering your moms. And we are praying for you guys and we love you. And next we've got our area kids department is rolling out some amazing new interactive activities for you and your kids. So make sure you stay tuned from the next gen department and also the area kids to Instagram. This is gonna help you equip uh, you as parents and also your kids grow together in the Lord and that is our heart for you. And for tithes and offerings, there's a few ways you can give. You can give on our website, good old Snell Mail, or you can text to give. Thank you so much for your faithfulness in that. And next, I'm going to do something a little different. We have a testimony we want to share from our Good News segment. And we've had a lot of those coming in, and we want to make sure that we're faithful in sharing with you guys as much as we can the good news. Because when we share testimonies, it brings glory to the Lord for His faithfulness and His goodness. So check this one out. So this came in recently. It's from someone who lives paycheck to paycheck, month to month. And this person lives alone with no other options for income. The lockdown just started, no clue how they were gonna pay bills or buy food to eat. Within a few weeks, five people gave this person over $1,000 and enough to fill their fridge up with food. And what really struck me about this testimony is this person was not used to receiving anything, not even like a $5 coffee. You know, some people buy a person coffee or you give someone a gift. This is not a person who was used to receiving things. So to go from never receiving a $5 coffee to $1,000 is incredible. And it brought them to tears, they said. Well, you know, time rolls on like it normally does. And the next month rolls around, bills are due again, need to buy food. And this person says, I don't know if God's going to do this again because I know he can, but I don't know if he will. Well, within a, f a short amount of time, within a few weeks, the stimulus check hit, the $600 from the state of North Carolina hit, and the unemployment benefits all hit the account at one time that they had applied for four and a half weeks earlier. Boom, account is full again. They said they were able to tithe more than they ever have before, and they had more money than they knew what to do with, way more than they needed. And they ended this testimony with something that really struck me. And this might, this, you might understand this, this might speak to some of you guys, because they said, I've seen this happen for other people. I see it happen in scriptures, and I know God can do this, but I don't know if he's gonna do it for me. And the fact that he did goes to show that God is serious when he says he is your provider. He is Jehovah Jireh, and he is Elroy. He is the God who sees. And I hope this encourages you today, and I hope that you know that God is your provider too. Moving on, um, that's pretty much it. It's incredible. We love hearing your testimonies. Keep sharing on the Good News segment. And next, um, we're going to get ready for the Word, but I do want to say just make sure you stay tuned for what the next steps for gathering is going to look like. We should know more this week. So um, stay tuned on social media and on our website, and we will let you guys know what gathering looks like. So right now, I invite you to grab your Bibles and your notebooks, and let's get ready for the Word. Good morning, Eastside Church and family and friends. First of all, I want to say Happy Mother's Day. We're all uh, gathered in our living rooms on Mother's Day. It's, it has the potential to be an incredibly special day for mothers. 
and uh, we just want to be uh, the first to say Happy Mother's Day today. Uh, we're we're kind of getting out of our journey through John, uh, although uh, we're going to hit on some of the things that were talked about uh, with the Holy Spirit and the promise that Jesus made in John. If you've got your Bibles open to Acts chapter 2, we're going to read all the way, I think, through verse 41 in Acts chapter 2. But I want to begin by just uh, just asking you the question, have you ever, can you point to a place in your life where you can look at this particular time in your life and said everything changed right there? There was, a, there was a time where you said, man, my life, my life turned on a dime right there. Everything was different. You know, I've been in ministry for 28 years and, and man, I've seen a lot of change around the topic of the Holy Spirit. You know, I've seen the traditional Pentecostals begin to move back towards some of what the uh, seeker-driven people have done. And, and then I've seen some of the traditional churches open up to the gifts of the Spirit. I mean, we've, we've seen a lot of change when it comes to uh, the approach of, of how to digest what's going on as far as uh, the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. So we're going to kind of continue on that and ask, ask some questions today. Have you ever heard somebody say, you know, the, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman and, and God's a God of order and not chaos? I want to kind of hit on some of those things and what we see in Acts chapter 2 as we go along today. So without further ado, let's just open our Bibles to Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read from the New King James Version this morning. It says this, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, if you would say with me, and suddenly, say that with me, and suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there, then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, talked about that last week, a visual manifestation, and, and one set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the first thing that I want to talk about today is the end suddenlies. You know, we've got to learn life, learn to live life as believers in the end suddenlies. You know, there was a time in my life where suddenly uh, God made himself very real to me, very clear. There was a, a time where suddenly I had this encounter with the Holy Spirit. It takes faith to, to, and, and an absence of having to control everything to live in the unsuddenlies. It takes this great expectation to live in the unsuddenlies. You know, these, these folks are gathered. They're, they're in one accord. And then suddenly, now I just want to ask you a question. Do you really believe that they have any idea of what's about to happen? They have absolutely no idea what's about to happen. And uh, they got a, they, they've got this idea that, you know, something good's going to happen because, because Jesus has said, it's to your advantage there, go away. But they have no idea what's about to happen. And, and, and in the right moment, at the exact right time, God pours out His Spirit. So, so how do we live in the unsuddenlies? It's, it's the knowing that God's timing is calculated and is perfect. So, so this is the day of Pentecost. They're, they're gathered in the day of Pentecost. So what is significant about this day? Well, first of all, 
The day of Pentecost is actually the feast of weeks in Exodus and Deuteronomy. It's Shavuot, and it occurs 50 days or seven weeks after Passover. And it is a harvest celebration commemorating God's provision for and his substance of his, uh, his, his, substance of his people. He, he's bringing provision. Now, Jesus has said, you go wait, you go wait in Jerusalem, and I'm going to, I'm going to endue you with power so that, you can, so that you can move forward in life. I'm going to bring you provision so that you can do the works of the ministry that I, call, I got called for you. You know, what's really interesting to me is Jesus, Jesus is saying, you know, I, I got so much I want to show you, but I can't. But you got to go wait for the thing that actually can lead you there, and that's and that's what's happening. It's God's provision and His sustenance for His people. So, so what are the beliefs about uh, Pentecost from from a Jewish culture uh, standpoint? First of all, uh, according to Jewish tradition, Moses received the law from God at, at Mount Sinai during during Shavuot, and so during Pentecost. Moses gets, uh, he gets the law. It also is a tradition in, in the Jewish community that, that King David was both born and died on the day of Pentecost. You know, David is the one that it, it is promised that through his lineage, lineage would come Messiah. And so there's this great revelation uh, on Pentecost that God's word is revealed in the law. And then Jesus says about about uh, uh, the day of Pentecost and about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that I, I've got so much to teach you. And when, when the Holy Spirit has come, he'll, he'll lead you into all truth. He'll lead you into the word. He'll explain to you everything I've said. You'll, you'll have immediate understanding. And so there's this revelation that's been the theme of Pentecost, even from the Feast of Weeks that is described in Exodus and Deuteronomy. There's also this idea of community uh, as a part of the theme of Pentecost, the giving of the law taught the Jewish people how to relate to one another as God wants us to relate to each other. And it also teaches us how to relate to God. The law teaches us how to relate to God. And so there's this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And what I want you to see, too, is you know, they're, they're, when the Holy Spirit is poured out, we see that they begin to speak in tongues uh, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, let me just tell you, uh, what we're going to read in the, in the next verses, uh, verses is, I, I don't think, <laughs> is, could have ever been expected by a group of people. Nor do I think it was in order and nor do I think it was without some semblance of chaos because they began to speak in tongues uh, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, there's so much conversation about this, you know, especially when it comes to corporate settings and all these kind of things. But let me just read to you what it says in Mark chapter 16. Uh, this is uh, Mark chapter 16, verse 17. It says this. It says, And these signs will follow those who believe, in my name, they'll cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. Now, that Greek word for new means tongues that have never been used before. And, and that'll challenge some of the theologies or the doctrines that kind of say, you know, every, everybody, 
you know, they were speaking in, in languages that, that, that already existed in the world. Well, Mark clearly says that these tongues have never been used before. And the interesting part that we're going to discover in just a minute is that the hearers heard them all in their own language. And so what I'm trying to get at, I don't know that I necessarily understand this. I just want you to understand that, that neither did they. You know, and there's always these, these things that we don't understand about the suddenlies until we walk through it. And many years later, we can look back and say, man, do you remember when God did this? And, and we go, yeah. And I was shocked and I was, I, I, I didn't, I was confused. I was amazed. I was marveled. I was perplexed. It, it took me by surprise, but man, this happened. And then that and this and victory began to, you know, just to stack up. And I begin to, I begin to move forward in the things of God. And man, he's taken me so far since that moment. That's exactly what you see. You see, the most important part about this is that now we come up with some systematic controlled doctrine that we can have. What we have to understand that God is always going to bring about suddenlies in your life. And how we respond to those suddenlies makes a difference of what the outcome is going to be over the years. And so we got to live in the suddenlies. Let's continue in our reading of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, it says, it says, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now let's look at the crowd's response. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men. Now these devout men are described, uh, Zechariah, who was waiting uh, to see the Messiah when, 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 when Jesus was, was uh, taken to the temple as a baby. And, and, and that, that prophetic uh, prophecy that Zechariah had, uh, that, that he saw the Christ child, that he wasn't going to die to the Christ child. He was called a devout man from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the, the multitude came together and would confuse. Say that with me. They were confused. And that's going to take you out of the idea that that God is orderly because when he poured out the Holy Spirit, people here were confused because everyone heard them speaking in his own language. They heard them speaking in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look at all those who, who speak. Aren't they all Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Then he goes through a bunch of different nationalities all across that region. And, uh, and it says, you know, we, we hear all these, uh, these, these words in our own languages. We hear them speaking in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. Verse 12, so they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what could this mean? Now, when we think about the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit, and, and if I've dealt with people throughout the years, I can promise you that this is one of the most perplexing things that people are, are facing uh, as they pursue the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. 
you know, so oftentimes, uh, you know, you see people struggling, trying to figure it all out and trying to put it in this little box. But let me just tell you this. I believe the key to this chapter is the fact that 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 it's not going to be clear. It's not going to be something that's not perplexing. And it certainly is going to be suddenly. It's certainly going to be suddenly. So in this crowd of people, you've got these that are perplexed and amazed and asking the question, what could this mean, these devout men? But then you also have other people that are there that are worldly, that, that aren't spiritually minded. They're mocking them, saying, hey, these guys are drunk. They're full of new wine. And then Peter, who gets filled with the Holy Spirit, has his in suddenly moment. And from the time that that you see Peter stand up in verse 14, he's never the same again. There's a period in Peter's life where he, you know, he, he loved the Lord. He chose to walk with Jesus. He was on the earth. He heard what Jesus says in his own words. You know, he had so many, you know, he had so many stumbles between the time that he started following Jesus until this day of Pentecost. But then suddenly Peter's a new man. He's a new man, and he preaches this sermon. He has understanding like he's never had. And we're going to read this in just a moment, and it's going to be, it's going to be over the top, uh, the, this transformation in Peter's life where he becomes this, this prophetic voice of God to his generation. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice, and he said to them, Men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words for these are not drunk as you suppose since it's only the third hour of the day, the, the, the night, uh, nine o'clock in the morning. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. So he immediately ties these two together and it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my maid servants, men servants, and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. That's men and women. There are women who are going to be prophesying. It gives us this leadership aspect that we can see that is, is supposed to be in the church. I will show you wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then the men of Israel hear, hear these words, and they say, Jesus of Nazareth, he says, Jesus of Nazareth, let me back up. Peter's still speaking. He said, men, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified, and put him to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at the right hand, that I may not be shaken. 
Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You make me full of joy in your presence. Now, Peter is taking these two passages of Scripture, tied them together, and saying, this is what you see, Psalm 16, 8 through 10. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God is sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He is foreseeing this. He foreseeing this spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ and his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all now witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies a footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to their heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And then Peter said to them, repent, turn from the way you're doing things and listen to the way God does them and do them that way. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are far off as many as the Lord our God will call. And so we see that Peter is taken by surprise. And, and we know that, that we've got to learn in the end suddenly. But there was, there was two different responses. I love this about Scripture. God, God in, in, as he gives men the, the words to write uh, in the Holy Scriptures, he, he always gives both sides. And so you've got, you've got the response of devout men. And then you've got the response of, of the worldly. Devout men, they responded and said, what, we do, what do we do with what we're seeing? You know, what does this mean? And then you've got the world saying, these people are just drunk. They're making fun of and, and uh, just mocking what they see, even when it's supernatural. But what we have to understand, too, is not only are you going to have different responses to the Holy Spirit, you're going to have different people saying different things about the Holy Spirit. You know, when I see what's going on in the political realm today, you see you so, see so many different, differing opinions. You see so many different media things that the, the Lord is, you know, uh, uh, exposing, you know, different different mindsets, different opinions. You have the same, you have that same kind of thing going on into the church. And so, what I see in the world is, I see that that we don't have the ability to to 
to trust anything. You know, you go, what, what should I believe? Should I believe this, this outlet? Should I believe this outlet? You know, should I believe this person? Should I believe that person? When it comes to the Holy Spirit, there's so many voices that uh, are speaking to us about the Holy Spirit's work that, uh, you know, sometimes we just don't know what to believe. And so what I want you to understand is even the first day in Acts chapter 2, there was confusion there was all kinds of emotions that people felt. And when I talk to people about the Holy Spirit, I, I see all these emotions. Confusion, amazement, maybe marvel, but also perplexed. I mean, you're seeing the work of God and you're going, what do I do with this? What will we, do we do? And so let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse 6. It says, when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and they were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. It, did, it wasn't clear. It wasn't this, this immediate understanding. The emotional response right from the start was confusion. In Acts chapter 7, I mean 2 verse 7 and 8, it says this, And then they all were amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Gentiles? And how is it that we hear each in our own language? Now, if you put that in context and in, uh, put it together with Mark, where it says new tongues that they never have been done before, so they're speaking in this language that never has been spoken, yet everybody's hearing it in their own language, and everybody who is speaking it is a Gentile or a, I mean, a, uh, a, a Galilean, from the same region, so they would have the same language, they would have the same accent. It would be like saying, it would be like saying, aren't all these folks from Georgia? You know, aren't all these folks from the South? And, uh, and, and, and we would say, and they don't have, they're not speaking what they normally speak. Uh, and we are understanding them in our own tongues. In Acts chapter 2, verse 12, it says, They were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What could this mean? Now, let me just ask you a question. If you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, have you ever asked yourself that question? Have you ever been confused? Have you ever been perplexed when it comes to the things of the Holy Spirit? Have you ever asked yourself, What could this mean? Well, of course you should, and so did they. But, but, but there was also a group that was open to, to what the Lord was doing. And you see so many different places in Acts where different people were filled with the Holy Spirit in different situations, on different occasions, in different ways. So what does this mean? Well, it means that you're normal. What it means is you're normal. It also means that, that, that being filled with the Holy Spirit is never not going to be weird. It's always going to be weird. It's going to be, it's going to be supernatural. It's going to be miraculous. And so we, we have to understand that the crowd is always going to respond. And you've got to make a decision of who you're going to listen to. The world is always going to mock us. But, but the thing, the takeaway for me, one of the biggest takeaways for me, because it, it happened to me. I grew up in a traditional church setting. I didn't get saved till I was 28 years old. And I had this encounter. I was, I was, and suddenly had this encounter with the Holy Spirit. Then I realized God was a God that was an up-close God. He wasn't watching me from a distance. And, and from the moment that I had that encounter with God, I was never the same. I can certainly look back on that time and go, 
wow, my life changed forever. And that's what we see with, with Peter. His life changed forever. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit, and he began to learn how to walk in that. One of the beautiful things that suddenly bring, when you have a suddenly with God, is it brings change. When you have an encounter with God, with a, an encounter with the Holy Spirit, this is one thing that you can be sure of. Nothing will ever be the same. So if you're ever wondering whether you've had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, a, a good fruit of whether you've had an encounter with the Holy Spirit is everything changed. You know, from that day, your faith increased. From that day, you began to understand. When you started reading Scripture, you began to understand what it said. You began to put different things together. Old Testament, New Testament, different verses begin to marry. I love it when, when one of our elders, Abba, prays. Because it, all you got to do is ask him to start praying. And he'll pray a verse, and then, and then he'll cross-reference to another one. The Lord will just keep firing verses at him because he knows the Word. And the Holy Spirit just gives him this stuff to pray. And it's amazing what comes out of his mouth and how much force it has against the darkness as he prays. But he didn't, he, he didn't get born again and immediately was like that. This is a growth process and a learning process and a relationship process with the Holy Spirit that he's, he's gotten over the years and he's just gotten uh, better and better and better at following the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit in his life. So suddenly bring change. So if you've had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, you're going to be changed forever. Things will never be the same. God is always about doing a new thing. When, you're, when you get, uh, when you get uh, um, into a place where a suddenly has happened to you, most likely there's a new thing happening. There's a new thing, there's a, God, a new season that God's about to bring you into. There's an awakening. In Acts chapter 2, verse 14, it says it this way. Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. You know, Peter was probably always bold, and, and how, how we know that is when they came to arrest Jesus in the garden, you know, Peter pulls out a sword and cuts the dude's ear off. You know, Peter's always probably been aggressive, so that wasn't hard for him. But turning that aggressiveness into grace is what we see uh, this changed in Peter. Instead of being aggressive physically, what he's aggressive with is connecting the word of God in Joel and in the Psalms and saying, this is what we see in here. This is what we see in here. I can remember as you read through Acts and as you read uh, the New Testament, you see Peter starting here. You know, you see him begin to learn to walk. You see him where he comes to the gate beautiful and he doesn't have a whole lot of money, doesn't have a whole lot of resources. And there's a guy there that's crippled and he, he asks for, for, for some money. And, and Peter says, you know, we don't have any money, but what we do have, we'll give you, you know. And he heals, he speaks healing over the man and he, and he, and he gets up. But, but before the end of, of Peter's ministry, it says about Peter that even his shadow, if his shadow hit people, that they would be healed. That's an interesting thought as you grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, that your awareness of what the Holy Spirit's doing, your awareness of what he's speaking, your, your ability to be obedient to what he's saying, 
all increase. And you can see that in the life of Peter. But the thing that, that is interesting is, and I want you to understand is, God knew this day was going to happen before the foundation of the world. Jesus was sent to die and be raised again. And, and that, that uh, moment in history was planned before the foundation of the world. So was Pentecost. So, so it's no, it's no uh, coincidence that Moses gets the law on Pentecost. It's no coincidence that David is born and dies on, on Pentecost. It's no coincidence that Jesus said, this power to understand the word and everything I say and the ability to carry it out in a way that you've never had the ability to do, that's going to happen on Pentecost. And so when we look at Pentecost, what we have to understand is all this happened suddenly. It happened suddenly. And what I love about living the Christian life is it's never boring because suddenly have happened in my 30 years of being a Christian, over 30 years of being a Christian. Periodically, I'll have suddenlies. And in those suddenly moments, God shows up big and life changes forever. I can look and say that my life will never be the same again. And so as we see this, we see that this is the beginning of the church age. This pouring out of the Holy Spirit, this, this limitless pouring out of the Holy Spirit is not limited to prophets, it's not limited to kings, it's not limited to, to, to priests. But the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is on all flesh. There's no male, there's no female, there's no, there's no socioeconomic situation that you have to be in. It's, it's poured on on all flesh. Anybody that the Lord calls, which is sons and daughters of God. And so as we see that, we see the church being birthed. And so what does it look like for a vital church to grow. What does a growing, vital, biblical church look like? Let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse 40. It says, and, when, and with many words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Those who gladly received the word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. There was a time in a place of response. Those devout men were baptized and they began to, to uh, join the church and the function of, of a vital church. In verse 48, it says, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and with simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So this is what we know. We know that Jesus is the word, is the center of the daily life. So for a vital church um, to, to be a biblical church, the key, the center thing, the nucleus, as we talked about many weeks ago, is the word of God, is the center of our daily deal. Uh, people will respond to God. In other words, there'll be church growth. The church will grow. We'll be adding to our numbers. You'll be leading people to Christ. You know, one of the things that I think of when I think about, you know, going to heaven and seeing Jesus face to face, um, uh, Pastor Greg used to say it all the time at Seacoast when I was going through, you know, uh, what did you, two questions, what did you do with my son and who'd you bring with you? 
You know, you are intended to influence your generation and, and those that are around you. You can lead people to Christ just by loving the Word of God and following the work of the Holy Spirit, being empowered by the Holy Spirit, being obedient to what He says, and just being willing to do everything that he, he commands you. You're going to lead people to Christ. And so a vital church is focused in the family on the Word of God. It's also focused on reaching people. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 were added. And this is what I want us to take away from this as we are you know, in this time that the Holy Spirit is working with each one of us, working with our families. I want to be careful that we don't exchange one broken model of church for another one. Because I hear a lot of talk about, you know, we're going to do, you know, it's going to be, uh, you know, we're going to just keep doing this kind of thing or, or house churches are going to be everything. I just want to point out uh, this, that they daily met in the temple. They get, daily came together in the temple, and they also came daily together house to house. You see, the common thing is that the Word of God and the relationship with the Holy Spirit and, and the, the mission of the church, we're all emissaries of God, that our focus is on Him. And, and that correction in the church and in the government, the exposure that's coming, the exposure that's coming in our lives as a church organization and the church around the world, the exposure that's coming to the deceit and all the, and all the things uh, that, that, that are being uncovered right now is, is being done so that we can focus on the right thing. And so we don't want to exchange one wrong, broken way of doing things for another. And so, and so my mind's eye, my focus is, is that we make sure that we're doing the right thing house to house. And we're going to continue to offer small groups on Zoom. And we're going to continue to offer uh, you know, small groups in person when we get back together. And the reason we're going to do that is because everybody has different needs. But the point of the, the matter is, our focus is going to be to get better at making it easy for the family to make Jesus Christ the center. And that the Word of God would be the focus of us all. So that when we come to the temple, when we come to the house of God as a body of believers in a large gathering, that there is going to be such a manifestation of the presence of the Holy Spirit that it's going to be tangible. We're going to be overwhelmed. We're going to be perplexed. We're going to be asking the question, what do we do with this? And then the Lord in later times is going to say, you remember that day? You remember that suddenly? I changed everything. And here's your instruction. Here's your direction. And we're going to be so in tune with the Holy Spirit that we're going to be able to carry that out with excellence because he's going to empower us to do that. And so with joy and gladness and favor, it says, was among all the people. Man, I, I love scripture when it talks about our relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's always this attitude of joy and gladness. It's all this attitude of peace joy and gladness so i'm asking myself how well do i do that how how well am i manifesting the fruit of the holy spirit that that i'm in fellowship with the holy spirit that that joy and that peace and that gladness and that favor that people can see that resting on me 
You see, I believe that that is, the, that is the call of the church. The call of the church is to make the world jealous because we're full of joy, gladness, and favor from God. That is evangelism. That's the best way to evangelize. And so our decision and our, our thought today is, you know, have you surrendered your life to Christ fully? Have you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus? With the awareness of what occurred at the church, have you repented? Have you laid down your way of life? Have you put off the old man? Have you put on the new man? Are you, are you passionate for the word of God? Are you discovering uh, the word of God? Are you open to the power of the Holy Spirit? Are you discovering from yourself? I can remember a time when I first got saved and I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I really, I heard what everybody said, but I wanted to discover what the Bible said. I wanted to know what the Word of God said. I wanted to take away all these voices and what does the Word of God say? And it, whatever it said, that's what I want. I pray that's what you say today. Whatever this book says, not what a man says, what this book says, that's what I want. And I'm going to do everything in my power to discover uh, the Word of God, the words of Jesus, the, the way of the kingdom. And I'm going to repent for my way of doing, and I'm going to adapt to kingdom living. Let me pray with you. Father, I thank you today that your Holy Spirit is poured out on all flesh. That, that you say that everybody you call can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then we can operate in the supernatural, that we can begin to understand Scripture like Peter did, that we can grow in the grace, the power of God to be able to do things that we can't do our own, the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. Jesus, you said about us that we would do greater things than you. And so, Father, I pray that we would take the limitations off based on our personality or based on our own opinions of ourselves, God, and we would begin to adapt the opinions you have for us. We would begin to adapt to the plans that you have for us. And that we would be open to the power and the work of the Holy Spirit like never before. God, that we wouldn't expect it to be orderly and without confusion. We could ask the question openly, what does this mean? And know, Lord, that you're going to answer us. All we need to know that is, that is that this encounter will change me for the rest of my life. And I'm going to submit to that change. I'm going to walk in it. I'm going to embrace it. And I'm going to see the kingdom of heaven manifest itself in my life and the life of those around me. Lord, I'm an emissary. I'm a missionary. I'm an alien, a sojourner. I'm an ambassador of Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit to do works that are out of this world. Help me walk in that, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We would love to be praying for you guys. If you have needs in your life or needs of family or friends, please let us know so we can be joining with you in prayer. You can simply shoot us an email at info at eastsidechurch.tv. And we as a staff would love to pray over those. We'll also get them to our prayer team so they can be a part of believing and standing with you.